Welcome to the Kansas Reflector Podcast. I'm Sherman Smith, the editor. As a relative newcomer to the media landscape, we support and collaborate with other non-traditional media outlets across Kansas. In Topeka, that includes 785 Magazine. And our guest today is Carice Mapes, the editor and founder of 785. Recently, we've been looking into the mysterious unraveling of Steve Wade's reign as Topeka city manager and the worsening crisis involving the city's unsheltered population. Carice, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Why don't we start by talking about the the work that you do at 785 when this launched? Um, Excellent. About yourself. Yeah, yeah I'd love to share. 785 Magazine is Topeka's local arts and entertainment publication. Um, we do span a little outside of Topeka, but really it's focused on that, hence the name 785 being our area code. We were founded in 2006. Um, I founded the, the publication truly out of frustration. I had recently graduated from college, and I didn't feel that I was really connected to the city anymore. Um, you know, I wasn't connected at Washburn when I was in college. We had these things, but, you know, as a young professional, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. Um, and I really wanted to celebrate and explore, you know, the community. So that's how uh, 785 was born. We only... Um, feature and allow locally owned businesses to advertise is something that we've done. Um, and we stand true one of our ethos for that. Um, but everything really revolves under kind of that umbrella of arts and entertainment, lifestyle and local flavor. Uh, the magazine is now quarterly. Things have changed a little bit with printing. Um, but we, uh, are doing much more online. We have a robust calendar that anybody in the state can actually use on their websites as well, um, as starting a digital radio station. So things that complement the publication. This is the go-to place in Topeka for just finding out what's going on in the in the city from a events and arts standpoint. But you guys do a lot of, I think, personalization of this, of bringing you know human voices into the, the the spotlight behind what's going on in Topeka. Correct, and that's something that was really important. That this is our community, and so everybody that is a um, contributor of Seven Eight Five, you know is a freelance contributor. So they're people who are passionate about what they do. Um, a few things, you know, on a technical kind of look, um, we most of the time use first names. We don't use last names in our articles because these are our neighbors. These are our friends, people that we do work with and business with. Um, you mentioning events. One of the things that was a frustration for me almost 20 years ago was hearing about events after the fact, mm. which frankly does me very little good. And so we always are trying to be ahead and, you know, pre-look at events and with the impetus of people getting out and exploring their community and supporting local businesses, asking questions, getting to know people and really, you know, being a champion and love where they live. I think I used the words uh, non-traditional media in my my intro. I actually don't know what that means. It's a phrase that gets applied to us sometimes. Mm. Um, you guys have been around 17 years now. Yeah. Does that make you traditional media at this point? <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. Um, someone who had said something about, uh, I'm going to mess this up. Now, what is it? Uh, if your uh, record of time, you know, the... Oh. Paper of record. Or paper to, like paper of record. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Someone had mentioned, uh, well, you're not a paper of record. And I thought, well... We've been around for 17 years. We're in archives. We're in the library. We're, you know, we're, we're all of these places, you know, well, what, and who is the paper record? The, this, like, who does it better? I, I don't know. And then, you know, so when you say this, you know, uh, what do you say? Non-traditional, you mm. know, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means. I do know that for me, um, we're absolutely traditional media when you look at it as a concept of that we are connecting people in places we are 
being the voice or telling the story um, that there is to share. And for us with 785 Umbrella, we tried to look at that in really a um, kind of a positive, you know, we, we, we be honest and fair, but a positive, you know, stance. So, for example, we're talking about arts and entertainment. If it's a bad restaurant, we just don't write about it typically you know we print is expensive and there's only so many pages so it's kind of a stamp of approval for us but with that being said um you know some work that and we'll talk about uh, that we've done together when there are questions that need to be answered or we don't feel that someone is really asking why then you know we'll step in and we'll ask those questions I was going to say, you're known for the arts and entertainment stuff, but there is a, these occasional hard-hitting news mm-hmm. reports that you guys do. And it you know feels to me a little like the classic Rolling Stone model almost, where you, mm-hmm. you're focusing on the, the stuff. But there's also that, the, for Rolling Stone, it would be the National Affairs Desk here, I guess, the Topeka Affairs Desk, that's just sort of like, by the way, here's something you all should know is happening in our community. Correct. And, you know, for us, that... You know, some of these issues, well, all of these issues affect people in our community, which affects our, you know, what we do. And so, yes, we're arts and entertainment. We want you to go out and check out this local music, right, and, and this mm-hmm. event. But if you're having a difficult time at home, if you can't pay your rent, if you, there's a homeless issue, you know, if you're up in arms, if you're frustrated about your city, you know, it doesn't matter how many free downtown concerts you do, you're not going to mm-hmm. like where you live. Right. And so, um, the other thing is, is that we always try with 785 to take a concentrated effort to allow those voices maybe that are not heard, right? Mm-hmm. Very often the smaller stores, right? The, the artists that you don't know that are up and coming. And so that really falls in line sometimes too, when we're talking about some of these hard hitting articles or, 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 you know, exposés mm-hmm. is because a lot of times it's people that are not being heard. They're frustrated. You know, it wasn't this one little thing, you know, it's this frustration. And finally we're like, okay, no, why is nobody talking about this? Okay. Well, we will. I, I focus to a Kansas reflector on telling stories that are just not being told otherwise. Right. And part of that has to do with the reality of the media landscape today. I, I spent 16 years at the Topeka Capital Journal. Mm-hmm. They still have extremely talented people there who are doing amazing work. But I think like everywhere else, they're a lot fewer of, of them than there there were before. Right. And so this is a way I think that, that you guys help fill this niche in the community of saying, here's stories that the newspaper doesn't even have the resources to get to. Right. And you can augment that. And I think sometimes resources and also who they answer to, you know? So I, hmm. I'm a sole proprietor. I'm the owner, you know, of somebody, I started with a thousand dollars, you know, that I borrowed from my mom and, you know, some friends and paid back. I mean, so at the end of the yeah. day, I answer to our readers, of course, but that's it. There's no um, certain budget. I mean, you know, we have budgets, obviously, but, you know, I do think there's a little bit of a difference maybe than some other media. And I'm not saying um, uh, pretending to know what they do, but we don't run advertorials. You know, you can't you can't pay for our space. Um, we write, well, you know, what we think needs to be shared. So one of the stories that they've done recently has been looking at the Low barrier housing, I think it's called low barrier housing. Low barrier shelter. Low yes. barrier shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this has been, you know, it's one of the things Topeka's not alone in looking at this, but right. the unsheltered population in Topeka and a lot of places mm-hmm. is a crisis and nobody seems to know what to do. Right. 
And this overlaps a little with some of the reporting that we've done on the the city manager, Correct. the former city manager now, Stephen Wade, mm-hmm. uh, and that he had a great idea of of using low barrier shelters to uh, to address part of that. Talk about what what that concept is and why Topeka was so on board and what sure. you found out. So low barrier shelter is a shelter where there are not um, stipulations for somebody. To, you know, to receive shelter. So you can be drunk. You can, um, you know, uh, not have an ID, right? Um, different things. Mm-hmm. There are these barriers in a traditional shelter, as they should be, right, for safety issues. Also, you know, depending on where, you know, the shelter is, whatever they have, you know, they can run their business this way. But this- There's a school of thought that says if you just give people this first step, that's then correct. they'll take it upon themselves to, to do the next. That's correct. Next and that kind of, yeah, it kind of goes in line of that housing first, this yeah. idea, right? You have to be sheltered, you know, to feel safe, to even take steps for it. Like, I can't talk about any kind of addiction thing if I don't know where I'm laying my head tonight, yeah. you know, that, th- this idea. So I think that on the surface, sure, it sounds like a great, you know, idea. And a lot of communities have done it. What I found, though, and what kind of prompted me was that this conversation has been kind of going here in Topeka. We have one game in town, if you will. I mean, one shelter. I should say game, but one shelter. (laughs) Topeka Rescue Mission. Um, It is a religious-based, you know, organization. They do great work. They've been doing great work for years, and I do not negate that. However, um, you know, just... About four years ago, they had a clarion call to action, if you will, needing funds that, you know, they were not going to, I mean, I don't want to say threatened, but it felt a little bit threatening. If there was not money that started to come in, they were not going to be able to continue to operate. So where are these hundreds, if you will, people, you know, going to go? Um, so for me, then all of a sudden they're in this conversation about taking on an additional, a new type of uh, support system of this low barrier shelter. And that was a little alarming to me because I thought... There's some unanswered questions about whether they can handle the workload that they have already. Correct. Correct. Um, the other thing was, is that city officials, so the mayor of Topeka, um, the former city manager... Um, went and traveled to Colorado. Uh, they went to a couple places, one being Colorado Springs. And the report that they gave, you know, kind of came back with was, um, was glowing, you know, that this is, you know, done really well, that their you know, homeless population is down, you know, et cetera, you know, everything you want. They talked about this in a podcast, right? I mean, they, they, right. they celebrated this is the answer to our problems. Yes, exactly. And the fact that there was this partnership between the rescue mission and the city, which was not, which was new mm-hmm. and how great. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that that's bad either, but how, how great that was and that this was really going to be the answer. Historically, they've not received any city funding. That is correct. And, and I would go further to say, and they stated in that podcast specific episode and many others, um, that their supporters are against taking so it's not just that they have not ever uh, looked for receiving funds or partnered with government organizations, but in fact, they are opposed to receiving funds. And that was stated in that multiple times where they were talking, They so Topeka Rescue Mission was talking to their constituents, their audience, saying, trust us, this really is the time and, and a good time for us to make partnerships and we can accept this money, but still do our work, our faith 
based work, which is a whole other topic, I'm sure, <laughs> which you guys have talked right. about a little bit too. But what, so really what it boils down to is that, um, the journalist in me says, is that really what they saw? We don't blindly trust elected we, officials. Thank you. We don't blindly trust anybody, That's frankly. Right. Like, I'm going to go try the food myself. I, I will, you know, nothing in 785. We're yes. going to try this ourselves and then tell you. They tell us in journalism school, if, you're, if your mom says she loves you, you need two more sources to check it out. Absolutely you do, right? right. Um, I love that. I, yeah. So uh, there were two business owners who uh, took it upon themselves and traveled to two Topeka business owners that are, both are located in the Noto district. What, let's pause for a second to say what Noto is. Oh, so Noto is the North Topeka Arts District. It is a historic um, downtown Topeka. So it's right on the north side of the bridge on Kansas Avenue. And it was uh, revitalized and developed into an arts district. And this happened, I think, almost unilaterally as well, without much support from the city. The city had given up on developing this. Yeah. And a lot of small business owners came in and decided, we're going to make this happen. You could never underestimate the power <laughs> of, you know, of a group of, you know, people, right? Collective. That's, yeah. that is exactly correct. And so there is, there is so much pride in that area. And also, I mean, truly people's livelihoods, you know, they've given everything. Some people live down there, their families, you know, and own businesses. I mean, this is, it's more than uh, just, you know, owning a business and stuff. I mean, they just really are invested in this area. There's shops, restaurants, thrift store kind of thing. Exactly. And it's right up against the rescue mission and the river. That, that is correct. And so the rescue mission is on the south side of it. And uh, they were there, you know, prior. And they've had good relations and they talked and, um, and they're good neighbors as well. Um, one of the things that occurred is that, that maybe there were a lot of little small things that kind of, you know, were the, the push for this article. But um, the rescue mission was gifted a church that was located on the north side of the district. So what would happen is they would be sandwiched, literally sandwiched, um, between the current rescue mission and then now this new um, historic church that has been donated. And it was told um, or expressed with you know pr pretty grave concerns that this was going to be the location for a low-barrier shelter. So when that came to be and then th that thought came to be, um, I reached out to the Topeka Rescue Mission and I asked them, which they told me that there was no conversation being had between them and the city about low barrier shelters. Um, and that was kind of it. And then sent a press release out Friday evening about the church. So that was a little kind of alarming to me because I thought, well, what do you mean no conversations? But I've got right. a lot of these sources that have said there are conversations and I can go back and hear you talking about the car, you know, <laughs> about this. What do you mean there's no conversation? So again, so then these two business owners took it upon themselves. They traveled down to Colorado Springs. They didn't talk to the mayor. They didn't talk to their GTP, you know, their chamber, you know, their, they talked to business owners in the district and they talked to, servers and just people that were shopping, et cetera. And what they found was drastically different. What they found was many people who were upset. They felt that, that the low barrier shelter had in fact increased 
the um, foot traffic in the area um, and not foot traffic that, that was desirable, that it was almost like a beacon you know, put out there. They felt embarrassed. They believed the narrative that they were told from that particular mission in their city. They believed that the influx of money would be helpful. Um, they thought they were doing something good, and they realize now that it wasn't the best choice, and they wish that they would have fought for a seat at the table. That was the over overwhelming. Um, and then the, a, pictures tell the, the pictures tell the story. There's a, a catch-22 here where, you know, I think, People want to address this problem in a, a humane way to say, we need to address the unsheltered population. There's research that supports the idea that you know housing first or uh, low barrier shelter is a positive thing or can be a positive mm -hmm. thing when you wrap it around uh, a lot of services for mental health, substance abuse, um, you know, other types of services that are provided there, counseling, therapy. Uh, the the catch-22 is that when you provide all of these services and a no-questions-asked place to go, you become a magnet for unsheltered people from a broad region. Um, and we've heard from people in, in, the, in NOTO, business owners there, who have talked to people on the street who are from Houston or, mm -hmm. or elsewhere, say, we, we found out that Topeka is doing really good things, and so we somebody put us on a bus and we came here. Correct. I think also something to note is back to, I love it, where you, your mom loves you, you need two more sources, was that the feeling was that the city and Topeka Rescue Mission were making these decisions with allocating a chunk of money potentially to this, and they asked their mom, Right. They didn't ask right. other sources. So th there's no data. Where's the data? Where where are the buried seats at the table? And so the process is flawed. Do you think that the, the city leaders here were like intentionally only going to people who are going to reinforce their opinions? Were they, were they trying to pull one over on Topeka or were they just so blinded by this idea? I think that they uh, so I kind of go back to for here in Topeka, the only game in town, if you will, that it's just what they know. Right. So the Topeka Rescue Mission, again, they do good work and handle it. So this must be the person that knows hmm. they, they must be the only expert. And so we ask them and we'll figure it out together. Um, so I don't know that it was malicious and, and you know, with intent or uh, laziness, maybe. Honestly, uh, if I had to sum it up, just not asking enough questions. And I don't think that that's true of all, but I think that, you know, some just kind of said, okay, well, you told me that this was your experience. Okay. Right. Must be. So there's a, a meeting in Noto a couple of weeks ago that where mm -hmm. this kind of all came to a head frustration and it happened about a week or so after the city council had had fired the city manager, mm -hmm. Steve Wade. And there are a lot of business owners who are standing up expressing their frustration mm -hmm. that the city wasn't including them at the table. Uh, you were part of the lineup that night. Correct. What, what was this meeting about? Why were you why, why were you part of it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Coalition for a Better Topeka was formed by business owners in, the, in that NOTO district when all of this kind of you know, started coming up. Um, you had mentioned when NOTO was born, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, 12 years, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I'd have to check my date. Something like that. But I remember, and what I started off with is, is I stood in the same place. Serendipity was the location, which is a, an event space here, you know, in Noto. And I stood in that place. It was empty and there were folding chairs at the time, but it was filled with people who wanted to build this 
Arts District. And I remember standing up and saying that I and 785 Magazine would always support that, support these local people doing it. So when their voice needs to be heard and they ask me if I could be part of that, um, you know, unequivocally, I, you know, say yes, of course. The other reason why I think that I was asked to be, you know, at the table or part of this was because in 2019, um, I wrote, we've written several articles, but I personally wrote, um, an editorial about some questionable business practices, um, of the Topeka Rescue Mission that I raised. And it was interesting because from that article, uh, I received on a personal note a lot of, uh, phone calls and text messages. People who were shocked were, were wondering, uh, if my, my tires were going to be, I mean, just slashed. I mean, things I never thought of, you know, but I. To be I, clear, you were not sexually harassed or retaliated against. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. sorry. I didn't mean to, yeah, I didn't right. mean to imply that or anything. No. Um, but that they were shocked that I would write an article that questioned such a large, um, nonprofit organization in Topeka. Um, that's doing thing, you know, doing great things, right? Um, but I did ask some questions. Um, and the questions I asked at that time were about, um, stagnant board leadership. Um, I questioned about purchase of real estate, um, properties and selling, um, about, uh, arm's length, you know, transactions that were occurring and also, um, some financial. There was a federal audit, right? That's correct. And yeah, in a federal audit, um, they didn't offer um, affordable health care to uh, employees. And so they were fined ultimately, you know, with that. Um, and then finally, the fact of how when one organization um, does, in their words, Clarion, you know, call to action, if you will, stating they're going to close, you know, close their doors if money isn't raised, how that impacts so many other organizations that are also trying to do good work and are they good partners overall? So, so there's a lot of, I think fury among the, the business owners down there that Mm -hmm. you say like the rescue mission can't be the only part of the solution Mm -hmm. uh, to this problem. I I don't know that I can recall another meeting like this. I I think there were about a hundred people there. A lot of people were, were just really angry with the city. Mm -hmm. And one of the recurring themes I think was just, we need to we need to be part of the conversation about how we fix this problem. Why aren't we at the table working with you on these solutions? Correct. Business owners say when you know when there's a, a storm that comes up, I welcome people into my business so they can take shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a woman who talked about giving a dog bone to every dog that passes by. Right. Um, they they are in, deeply invested in in this issue. Their mm. their livelihoods depend on it. Right. They should be part of the conversation. Correct. And also, I believe that it comes down to accountability and transparency as well. Accountability as to where funds are going. And so, you know, we don't just keep repeating and trying, you know, it was not, we're not playing darts. We're not just throwing, you know, at the, you know, a dartboard here that, that money is being spent, you know, um, in a way, and I'm not saying that, you know, maybe things won't work, but at least that there was a collective transparent conversation and as a whole, you could get behind this being the try, if you will. 
<laughs> there's a, a councilwoman who represents that district. Yeah. And she stood up at the meeting and said, you know, look, I'm sad that Steve Wade is gone as the city manager, but his relationship with the rescue mission was unprofessional. Yes. And I was at this meeting to write about what I could of what had happened in Steve Wade's final days. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was under intense scrutiny over the, the homeless population, mm-hmm. some undisclosed personnel issues that were happening at city hall. And, um, the, this, um, his, his responding to community outreach over police shootings. Mm-hmm. And so he was under intense scrutiny, clearly wasn't, um, handling it well based on some personal messages that I was able to obtain mm-hmm. through the city in an open records request. And part of those messages involved his communications with Lamanda Broyles, who's the executive director of the rescue mission. Mm-hmm. So what we know now is that he was meeting with, with her and other rescue mission officials on a weekly basis um, for you know six weeks or more, perhaps, mm-hmm. trying to work out uh, this maneuver to funnel over 300000 in the city budget directly to the rescue mission to cover for a federal grant that the rescue mission had hoped to get but didn't. Correct. Uh, there were text messages between the two of them over this money and how to best sell this to the city council. She hoped, helped actually revise the resolution he was going to present to the city council. Mm-hmm. And it was only then, uh, several weeks after that was finalized, that he actually emailed city council members and said, hey, I want to know if you guys are going to get on board with this. And he planned to actually present it at the meeting where he ended up going on a, uh, a leave, month, of, leave of absence. Yeah, Right. There was... Uh, there were also text messages that showed that as he was talking to Lamanda Broyles, he promised her a million dollars in the budget mm-hmm. in the upcoming year for the rescue mission specifically. These two acts would have been unprecedented, I believe, because they've, they've never received local taxpayer dollars. Absolutely. And there's no accounting for how this money is going to be spent. Correct. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you nailed it on the head. So, for, for me, for, for you know, with my umbrella, with my 785 hat on, it's where you hear these rumors and these frustrations and these allocations and you, you don't move on them. But after so many, right, then you start to go, hmm, right? You know, I, I, everybody's saying that the sky's blue today, is it? You know, you start. <laughs> and so that was really what was happening is that there were, well, we, sat, we were asked for a million dollars. We're putting the budget. This is happening, you know, low barrier. They received this building, you know, et cetera. And so that's where. And it's um, all this unilateral communication yes. between the city manager and the rescue mission. Correct. To correct. people in NOTO are not involved. They're not involved. No. And, and furthermore, city council, you know, so this city council member that represents that district has really been, um, struggling for three and a half years. Well, struggling, fighting, being vocal, wanting, you know, pushing. And so while these, conversations are happening here on the other side is her actually emailing, requesting meetings with Lamanda Broyle from the rescue mission, requesting meetings with the city manager, the, the former city manager, asking what is being done, how can we help, etc. And um, I feel being a little, you know, brushed off there. She wasn't at the table of those conversations. Right. The rescue mission was invited to that meeting in Noto and yes. declined to, to appear. Th- that is correct. Um, so she was informed, the rescue mission was informed about the meeting uh, before the public was. Uh, they She replied that it was the evening that they had their board meeting. And so 
no one would be available. I actually um, expressed then personally to one of the um, in their executive, you know, leadership team how um, imperative I thought that personally I felt that it was that they had some representation. They say they have 120 employees. They have different departments. Personally, um, I've never been to board meetings that large. And so I felt that it was really, if it was important to them to be transparent and open to communication, that somebody should have been there to represent and there was nobody. So what do we think about the transparency surrounding the decision to get rid of Steve Witt? I mean, we have one council mm-hmm. member cryptically saying there was something unprofessional, another council member saying it was related to some kind of personnel issue. Right. There seems to be this belief, perhaps influenced by the city attorney, that they're just not allowed to talk about it because it's a personnel issue. Yeah. I've never heard of an elected body of officials who can't say publicly, here's why we just made the action we did. Uh, yes, and in, in contrast, uh, in my research, I have found the opposite in other, you know, in other right. municipals, um, as well as uh, we've discussed that some investigative reports, for example, um, and you reported on that, you know, with St. Francis Ministries. That's right. Chris McHugh is a, a private attorney, was mm-hmm. hired to do an investigative report. That, that report came out. The city hired the same person to do the similar kind of report, and their stance is they're not allowed to release it. And I, I respectfully, strongly disagree. I think that the report should absolutely be released. Of course, there were black lines over, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to kind of read through those lines. But I do believe that um, that is the public's uh, like, right to have that. At a minimum, you would think that the city council and the city attorney could work together to craft some sort of written statement that just says, here are the facts and what we did, why we did it, and that's all we're going to, you know, something like that even at a minimum would be helpful. Um, I, I have to draw the conclusion that by shielding themselves from, by shielding this from the public, they are shielding themselves from scrutiny. What did people know? When did they know? What is going on here? I, I, that would be, that's an assumption that I made as well. Uh, to me, uh, seems to be self-serving when you're not, um, when you're not transparent. And, you know, I think that kind of going into again with our different medias and working together. And that's, you know, where, where we come in, right. Is to right. try to help we unravel look that. To continue to work with you. Our assistant yeah. is telling us we need to wrap it up. Yeah. She's closing us down. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Today. Oh, it was so much fun. Thank you very much. And thank you for all the work that you do. for this. Thank you.